Welcome to Unfoldings, a podcast series connecting Melbourne and Vancouver dance artists in slow, deep, unblindly matched conversations. Imagined and curated by Angela Conquet as part of Dance in Vancouver 2021. This podcast is a partnership between Dance House Diary in Melbourne and the Dance Centre in Vancouver. These podcasts have been recorded on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh Nations in Canada and those of the Kulin Nation in Australia. How's it going over there? <laughs> yeah, well, we were, you know, in context, yeah, I am also in Wurundjeri country, um, specifically in um, Collingwood in Melbourne, um, which is kind of quite a hip inner city context. Um and you know, in we we are recently out of lockdown, out of a very extended, uh, ongoing lockdown here in Melbourne and and Victoria, and um, but what? But we've recently been coming out, and so in a weird way, as we usually are quite busy at the end of the year, work wise in the arts, it's also kind of culminated with all this kind of wanting to go and do all the social things. But, you know, it's also classic Melbourne where it's mid-late November. It's meant to be, you know, summer arriving and it's exciting. But then suddenly you have a whole week of rain. Um, And so, um, yeah, I I think kind of this real mix of feelings. But but it's been good. My my family's all in Singapore and two nights ago I booked flights to Singapore because the borders are now open. And so I feel... Yeah, there's a real kind of lifting and relief in in being able to, you know, I don't even have to be there yet. The trip's not till next year, but being able to do it has changed a lot for me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, those are... How am I? Um, Well, I live in in an area of Vancouver called Gastown, which is... um, very like it is it's it's a few places at once it's like a busy being so um historically this area was sort of the beginning of vancouver like it's where vancouver started this neighborhood so it's historical it's got brick buildings like we live in the land of concrete and glass here in vancouver um so it's the one sort of area of the city that still has all these sort of historical buildings so there's a lot of tourists that come through but it's also where um the downtown what we call the downtown east side is so the downtown east side is a population of folks who you know there's a lot of addiction uh there's uh, a lot of mental health there's a lot of support services for these things um when people come to Vancouver and they encounter the downtown east side, they are shocked and appalled. And yet, because it's the area I live in, it's my neighborhood. Um, and it's actually really functions as a community in a way that no other place in Vancouver does. Um, Vancouver, I've been here, oh my God, I moved here in 2006. And I can't even believe I'm still here. Like, <laughs> in a way, like, it's it's so not my city. Like, I'm just not a Vancouver. I'm not a West Coast kind of gal. Like, it, I, But I love my neighborhood for how complex it is and how actually no matter how many fancy furniture stores or expensive shoe stores move in, um, no matter how gentrified it tries to be, it's still the downtown east side. Yeah. And I, and I love it. And it's actually a neighborhood. And if you can get past the, the demoralizing or, or, you know, what so many people deem the wretched, um, mm. it's actually a community full of love and 
how I felt, how I really started to feel it is when I got pregnant, right? Like I'm walking around and, and I was huge. Like I was just, you know, everyone's like, are you having twins? And I'm like, no, (laughs) but there was one woman who kind of tracked my pregnancy and her body's bent in half. I think she did a lot of crack. So her synovial fluid does not function. So she's literally bent in half. And I would see her, you see, you know, you have your people. Yeah. Uh, and I would see her and she'd look up and she'd be like, okay, like, and the day I went to go get, find out which, which gender my child, like what's, what sex organs it would have. Um, she looked up at me and she said, oh, it's a boy, huh? And I was like, it, it is. And, wow. um, and then she tracked my entire pregnancy. And the day before I went into labor, she looked at me and she's like, oh, he's coming really soon. Right. And I said, I hope so, you know, but it was a week early. And then my mom came to town and I went into labor for two and a half days. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then I saw her, I didn't go outside maybe until like, I don't know, two weeks after Max was born, because I was just, you don't know what the hell you're doing and you don't sleep and you're like, what just happened to me? And she she saw us and she said, oh, he's here. And she said, and this is what breaks my heart is she said, um, can I look at him and I promise I won't touch him. And I just thought, Fuck, like, why you, the world has told you don't touch us, you know? Uh, and like, and then Max, so of course, like I showed him his face, uh, her face, like his face. And I've not seen her in a long time. So I'm assuming that her life has gone in another direction but this neighborhood, there's a lot of drug use on the streets and my, and they always yell kid on the block, right? When you're walking with a kid. So people put their drugs away and uh... my kid thinks that is only for him. So he walks down the street and we're walking through like, cause to go to a school, we walk right through the thick of it. And, He'll be uh, strutting. Hey, like hold your kid on the block. On. <laughs> on right like he's just like and then when they don't say it he whistles at them he's like hey what? like because he can't whistle so he goes oh like <laughs> and then they're like kid on the block he's like yeah and he thinks it's really just for him and and then often so many of these people also give him money yeah. so he he has this massive money jar that's given like from people who have so much less than we do yeah but you know, somebody called him the mayor of Gastown and my kid is literally the mayor of Gastown, you know, like he's so, and what, what I realized is that people have eyes on my kid in a way that wouldn't happen if I was in a different neighborhood, a nicer neighborhood. Right. Yeah. So I feel super safe, you know, with my, whereas, you know, maybe my in-laws come from, they live in a rural area and they come and they say, Oh, you know, is this a safe neighborhood? I'm like, this is the safest neighborhood because yeah. everybody knows Max And even when he runs ahead of me, sometimes he will be like, hey, wait for your mom, you know? So that's where I am. And it's also just to give context, it's like the unceded territories, uh, traditional ancestral territories of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh and Musqueam people. So, and it's sort of an interesting place because there is so many lands around in the city where all all three peoples would use for different reasons at different times of the year. Mm. Um, so, you know, some would come at one point across across from North Vancouver to this one area in Kids Beach called Haddon, Haddon Park to do a certain kind of like, you know, maybe they were getting muscles. And so it was like this ability to share space and resources, which I still yeah. am so dumbfounded by the fact that we cannot adopt that idea of sharing space, time and resources. 
Yeah. In a larger societal way. Of course, as artists, that's the only way we survive. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's like where I am. And right now I started a term lecture position at uh, the School for Contemporary Arts at SFU, which is a three minute, it's in Gastown. So it's a three minute walk from my house and a three minute Amazing. walk from my kids. Oh yeah, like <clears throat> game changer. And I have an office for the first time in my adult life and a steady paycheck, right? So I'm also like sitting in this neighborhood that I think of as this in one way, but here I am feeling unbelievably privileged and well-resourced and well-served, you know, being um, in this, in this, in this space where I can like leave my house, get here in three minutes and then have some privacy so I can chat with you or just quiet. That, that warms my heart, actually, the thought of a neighborhood like that and thinking about the village and especially I think when you're not from there or like, you know, when I think about being from another country and living, you know, and finding your village and what that really means as well. And I think so much has really resonated. I, I I got here in 2010 and, and the last year actually was has been a big kind of sense of, I think as an artist as well, I've always felt really nomadic because of, you know, even, even being based in Melbourne, a lot of my practice, I work across the continent here in different communities and different cities. And, but then last, this last year and a half, and I don't think this is, this is not just because we've been in lockdown. This is also just the momentum of where things have landed for me. I, I find myself, you know, realizing that, oh, I've been here now 11 years. And, and also that actually, like for the first time in 11 years, I feel very strongly that I want to stay. Uh. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is, this is alongside, you know, which I think is this tangents here as well, but um, my partner and I've started talking about children, um, you know, and, and, and I've, I've recently also found myself in a very adult role in a job with an office and a paycheck and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and all of this, yeah, kind of, arriving I suppose and a landing and and yeah for the first time not feeling nomadic and and for the first time not being actually desiring staying Mm. and and that's been quite uh yeah quite a big thing to sit with yeah I really feel you on that because I, like I said, Vancouver is not my city, right? Like it, it, it doesn't feel, I just, yeah, I had a really hard, I've, I've struggled with like finding my, myself in this city, you know, like you go, or the, the kindred, right? Like where's like, or the yeah. village, I love how you put that, the village, right? Like where's the village? And of course, over the years, you, you build your village. That's right. But it was really like my kid being born here and then realizing like, being on tour with him because he toured with me the first five years of his life constantly and that we would go like we were we were in Berlin at one point and he we were at a restaurant and he asked for kombucha and, and I was like oh my god he is a total west coast baby like I he's like can we have sushi and kombucha and I was like oh wow we are this is a west coast baby and um Max has like somehow forced this to be my home, although arguably it had became my home, you know, 10 years ago, I think yeah. in some ways, but, but I resisted it. I've been like resisting saying I'm from Vancouver. You know, I say, oh, you know, I've been in Vancouver. I work in Vancouver, but for sure his position on, you know, cause he'll say, mom, how come you always say you don't love Vancouver? I'm like, no, I, I love my life here, but you know, the city. And he's like, gosh, he's like, there's tall buildings, there's 
beach, there's skate parks, there's mountains. Like, what was the problem, you know? And I yeah. think about that. Like, what is my problem? And I think for me with Vancouver, what was so hard for so long, if I'm going to be super blunt, it was just super white. Mm. And like, that was intense. Like, I was like, wow, this is like a super, super white place, which comes with all of that sort of puritanical behavior, right? So as you've probably noticed, I like to get loose fast with people. Like, I don't need to like do all these things. Like I can, I'm a diplomat brat. I can totally do it, right? But my thing is like, how loose, how fast, let's get there so we can talk about real shit, right? Like, I, yeah. want, like, I want to engage properly. Uh, and I just found it like hard for folks to get loose here, right? And yeah. so I just thought, I'm never going to find my people. And of course, I have. And I have yeah. like, you know, I have the many people now because you have your dance people and your friend people, which overlap, of course. And that now I have all the like momming people, right? Like all the mothers yeah. I would have never met in a million years. People I never would have met, never met, even though they live around me. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, but the in-between thing also, I, I, I think about this a lot. Um, I mean, I, I grew up even in Singapore as a mixed race kid. And, and um, I don't know how much you know about Singapore. It's, it's predominantly Chinese in terms of an ethnic kind of population but you know brands itself is really multicultural and, and it is you know historically it really is even pre-colonization it, it's always been quite multicultural but you know Singapore is also a really clean authoritarian kind of structured place to be and and quite conservative in a lot of those kinds of ways and, and really conservative Asian values you know it, it constantly gets put front and center as a like badge of honor and and one of the big things and, and I suppose yeah I, I you know but then I, I I my mom's Chinese my dad's Eurasian so kind of like the early Portuguese Dutch kind of um oh, yeah. you, you know that 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 era of like you know Sri Lankan and then Southeast Asian kind of lineage and so so you know very kind of English speaking at home quite quite western in kind of would be comparably really Western uh, in that in Singapore in terms of how we behave yeah. and, and, you know, approach to life. But, yeah, but on my mom's side, we're closer with them. So I speak Cantonese. We we do second language in school, so I, I'm, I speak Mandarin. And so in terms of, you know, society, I guess, in a lot of ways, even though technically I'm a racial minority, I move with the majority, right? Uh-huh. And, and, and I, you know, and you're educated and middle class and that sort of stuff. So... But then, so then moving to Australia as, as a, as a migrant in a way, but, but holding that, that kind of move body, embodying that kind of privilege, I suppose, you know, it, I felt like I, I wasn't really a person of color until people of color called me a person of color. But the thing also just on, on that authoritarian place, you know, the, the, the thing we used to joke about as, as young people, you know, in school, it's like in Singapore, it's like you can do anything, just don't get caught. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and so it's really interesting like you know reflecting a lot about that uh over the years of that that straddling that middle space that knowing exactly how to you know like you use the word diplomatic and and that's kind of it right like re- going into a space knowing reading the room really quickly knowing the power structures the dynamics you know the rules of the game in this particular space and playing it and playing it and not getting caught but also doing what you need to do, uh, you know. And so sometimes it is straddling that middle space. Sometimes it's skirting around the boundary. Sometimes it's it's going, you know, leaning right in there. But I, I find, you know, part of then moving to new cities and, and even in the way I work across, you know, in, in different cities and towns as well, I love that that 
quickness in which suddenly this becomes really familiar. And then suddenly I feel really local and I'm collecting surrogate family and friends <laughs> very quickly. Um, and then leaving again and, and, and you know, I, I think I'm very much like you that let's let's go in, dive deep. You know, there's no need to like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think part of that comes with that, that being able to sit in that middle ground all the time and and yeah you know change my tech it's almost like speaking multiple languages right like you could just code switch with every group of people you you meet and yeah that's been kind of yeah something I'm in processing a lot of how do we articulate that as as practice as strength as as um yeah methodology almost of of a way of living yeah yeah oh I'm oh my god why don't you live here come on <laughs> come hang out with me. um yeah this i mean i i i'm writing i've been doing more writing the last few years which is something i've always kind of been like i'm not a writer i'm not educated like like all of these like things you decide to trap yourself in that are not real but you do it yeah. anyway out of like whatever insecurities but i've been writing this thing and talking about how like i was raised i was sort of indirectly raised to do this room reading thing to code switch right like I was I was raised to code switch and and I have this that you know in any any room I walk in and I feel like you feel like you're not even like listening you're just like ooh, 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 what's going on okay this these people hold their necks this far away from their collarbone okay so okay I can do I can do that right and 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 you start to realize oh their weight's at the back of their body so there is this sort of like and yeah and then you sort of assess and then you act accordingly and then also wait for the, ex- for me, it's that piece of waiting for the external validation that you fit here, you know, or that it's, it's, it's enough. You can be, you can be here, you know? Yeah. Um, but then you're always faced with this question, which is like, you know, where are you from? Right. And somebody said this not long ago and I don't know, can't remember who it was, um, which really means, why are you here? you know, and how did you get here, you know, but that, how that is actually like my greatest strength, you know, and I, and I feel you like it's a, it's a way of being and it, and it's a choreography, like it's a choreography yeah. I was taught to, to recognize, to be in. And then my thing is like, how quickly can I ease you off so we can like slide into like a different physical relationship, right? Like, cause it is a physicality that you slide into once you yeah. have a certain kind of comfort or you find a point of connection and like even as you were speaking just to like catch call my own self out or catch myself it's like you're talking about Singapore and like a big portion of my childhood we lived in Kuala Lumpur so going to Singapore was like part of living in Kuala Lumpur and while I don't have um, I couldn't tell you any landmark in Singapore but there was that distinct difference of the cleanliness of Singapore versus the lack of cleanliness of Kuala Lumpur right like yeah and that might immediately I wanted to interrupt you just like ch- checking my body to let you know that I know Singapore. Right. But of course I can just lay back and be chill and like, listen to your story uh, or your, your like the storytelling, which is how we live our lives. Yeah. So yeah, yeah just like tracking my need to, con- my need to connect, which sometimes I think is a pathological need and I should question probably with my therapist, but, but also, <laughs> um, <laughs> but also like, I'm genuine. Like, I want to know what people are on about. Like, this is my thing. Like, I want to know what you're on about. And I want to find a way for us to like land together. My dad's family are a bunch of academics, mostly lovely humans, upper middle class, 
you go to the country club, you know, you go to the, not the country club, but the faculty club, like these types of things, academics. And my mom's family, like they live on the south side of Chicago, which is not the most affluent part of Chicago. It is predominantly black. It has many difficulties, blah, 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 blah. But my association with my grandmother, my mom's mom, and spending time in Chicago a lot as a child, like every other summer, being there, being in the being in the hood, you know, and like being one of the kids that are just rolling around the neighborhood, double dutching and all the things, um, is that there was so much more joy, I hate to say, attached to. Whereas with my other grandparents, it was nice. We did educational things. We saw mountains. We went on road, you know, but it didn't have this like fun this like joy but but before I would go to Chicago every summer I would practice being black again because we grew up you know we were not I was not in a black community ever unless I was there and I I, you know I also wonder if this was purposeful for my mother in in some ways but and I would find myself getting in front of the mirror and being like girl no that's not how you say it okay okay girl you know be like be like that's nasty like practicing this part of myself so that I could integrate quickly because I was the fairest skinned person Uh, even though I look exactly like my mother I just happen to have lighter skin lighter eyes and straight hair but like just that I would literally practice it so I could walk in there with some swag and feel like I could take space right Mm. And I think I don't do, it's not very different than what I do now. I just don't get in front of a mirror and practice it. I just know the subtle shifts. Like it's so rehearsed. It's so rehearsed walking into an academic space or what it is to be in a visual arts space versus a dance space or being in the mom group versus my buddy, you know, like that it's so rehearsed these like reconfiguration of bones and muscles and force and ease when there's like, when do I let my hips move? Oh, not in this space. You don't move your hips in this space, right? Like, so just thinking through um, that I don't even have to think about it. But now mm-hmm. that I don't have to think about it, I think about it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's just a bit of an occupational hazard, I, I would think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but I think, you know, like, I think I think the the flip side, you know, again, you know, on that many things are true. It's like, it, it's, it's so rehearsed, but that means also that we know the potential of how embodied these things are, which, you know, I think in its full realization is, is an exciting thing to, to be holding on to and naming because there are so many people who are not embodied in their lives that are so in their heads and, and who move through spaces so uncomfortably because they cannot, they cannot just like, you know, sink in their body. They cannot arrive. And so, it, you know, I, I also think, yeah, some, you know what I mean? Like I, I facilitate a lot of rooms as, in my work as an artist, as a, as, you know, as a manager, all of that. But, and you do, you, you really see when people just cannot be there, yeah. cannot be present. And so I feel like the, the more we can talk about these things being rehearsed, the more we can argue for it being embodied. And so, you know, how do we lean into that richness as well? Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, and it is so much, I'm always super sh- shocked when people don't realize that they're exiting the room while they're in the room. You know, like how actually aggressive some of those, <laughs> they don't mean to be, like they really don't know, right? They're really, it's this like unconscious movement. And it's a thing I love to say, like no matter what you say, your body will betray you. So you may as well just be truthful, right? Because yeah. your body will give you away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and then there's things 
like, which I know you do with your practice too, which is like, you know, breaking bread together, you know, eating together, taking time to eat, like not having a quick lunch, that, 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 shove it down your gullet and run. But what happens if we eat slowly together? Yeah. Because everybody has hangups around food and dining and gathering around food and everybody, you know, uh, like we all have beautiful and terrible things associated with that. So also what happens when that has to take the time it takes for everybody present and for someone they could be done in 10 minutes, but somebody else is a three hour diner. Like when those frictions come up, like what's, what's the, like, what's the embodied work we can do mm. together. But in, in eating together, it's, it's kind of really the, the classic t- moment where that, that, you know, we only see one eighth of the story because, you know, I'm thinking a lot about, you know, the, the family dinner, especially, right. Especially after, after a fight and you sit down with your family and you eat, you know, there's tension in the air, but somebody puts a drumstick, you know, that piece of drumstick on your plate. And in that moment, you know, it is forgiveness, but but perform in a one-eighth of a fraction of what the, the depth of what that really was, oh, you know. Yeah. And and so, you know, the gesture mm-hmm. is in the gesture in, in in action is yeah, it's only one eighth of the entire picture, but but the entire picture is underneath that it, it is is a reconciliation, it's a you know, is the discomfort also going partner how do I respond to my mother and I was so angry with her just then or like you know or or like my brother and I have been on a silent war for a couple of days and that piece of drumsticks on my plate and now I have to start saying like all those things are palpable but just with one small gesture and 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 so I think for me working with food is also a lot about that for me of going how can we not need to say so much Mm. also actually um but know that the drama is happening underneath and as as it does in real life. And so, you know, and, and, and so therefore it's also okay for that person to be so coiled up while trying to articulate some words when actually perhaps that tension is felt enough for us to go, okay, he, he really wants to be here as well. And I, you know, and I think that's, He's struggling and I would like to give him an out, but actually I can read that he really wants to be here. Like that's the, yeah, that's that duality, right? Um, that constantly resides in, in all of us. And I think, again, you know, that, that balance between the, the, the gesture and the movement and the embodiment and, the, and what is being said. And they don't always, you know, which is why the body is so important because we don't, we can't always say what we really want to say. Coming back to that one-eighth of a gesture uh, or one-eighth of a story that, that then is manifested in a gesture, like the seventh-eighth is, is in silence or, or quiet things, quiet. you know, maybe is how I would like to, to prefer to say, talk about it. But, you know, and that's, that in itself is a language of another sort. And, and, it, it, and I, I find, we, yeah, we don't know how to do that better. <laughs> oh, yeah, silence is very difficult often I feel like there's uh my, my son is like the one person I spend the most time with quiet like we we will spend a whole afternoon together and maybe share five sentences but we're doing stuff together the whole time right and um yeah for me that's a kind of rest that I don't think I really had had ever like it's very I, restful yeah I really love how you bring your son into a lot of 
your conversations, your practice, um, I guess, you know, very, you know, very point in a way, like I said before, um, my partner and I've started talking about children and, and it's a very new thing for me to think about up until this relationship. And, you know, um, I was very clear of like, not, I never really had a desire for children. I think logically, I know that if I had to raise children, I'll be fine. I, 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 I'm good at that. I could be good at that, you know. Um, the the problem solving nature of me means yeah I'll just I'll do it you know but I never I, I guess unlike a lot of people never I, I never really had the desire to even want to birth children or or and, and and all those things that come with it but then you know when I got together with my partner that that started to shift um, mm. and and you know watching him with children kind of really shifted a lot of the way I viewed that and that possibility with, with then someone like him. Um, and, and then it became more and more real and we've started talking and, 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 and so kind of in that, okay, we'll start trying and see where it goes and see what happens, you know, but we're also both a bit older, so it's also hard to say what that really means. But, you know, but thinking a lot about, I guess, what that means for me physically, but also, yeah, in, in this, in this, kind of ongoing continuity of being an artist and and an arts worker and life as well and and again I think that that landing and feeling like okay I'm I can stay now I can stay here I don't know there's just a lot I've been grappling with in in that way in a good way in an excited way and so I think listening to to you always bringing Max back into the picture feels really I think affirming of some of the ways I've been imagining this reality going actually that's kind of how I'm picturing I would be as well and and so that's really nice to see and hear I got real militant about like not excluding him from my art life like militant I think like just maybe unreasonable like my bio (laughs) the last sentence of my bio is that I'm his mother you know like I'm like no um because I think the things I've done in the last six years which has been like the most, you know, on paper successful part of my choreographic career, like it's because of Max. Yeah. It's like, I, I didn't have those ideas before Max. I couldn't have. So yeah. So he's inextric- inextricably linked to what I do, like what I decide to make and how I decide to make. This year I started at an organization called Next Wave and as yeah. the CEO, which also has been this massive leap, you know, and, and, but yeah, it's an interesting kind of context of, you know, being 36 and then being in this space of reckoning all of that from a very personal place, but also then from this political place and going while, while all the kind of terrifying ideas of this big change in my body is to come in the next number of years, um, if, if all things go well, then, but also kind of this, I've never been more equipped to yes. take this on as well. Absolutely. And that's been really palpable, a, a recognition, I, I think. Starting to make, like, what is a trauma-informed approach look like? And, like, what is it to make someone speak who doesn't like to speak? You know, like, all these sort of, you know, what are the, 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 uh, the obligations of the institution that get forced upon the artist and the artist yeah. is not equipped for or they can't support the artist through that right it's like well yeah. this is just what we do like you're just going to do an artist attack and they're like I'm dying in fear right now I'm shutting down and I'm yeah. not going to be able to deliver this thing that you think I'm going to be able to do so you know I always call it a crisis of care but it sounds like you're really in like how do we allow you to come here and do the thing you're doing or 
give you the space to tell the story that only you can tell through the work that you make uh, instead of come here and like shove into our square peg, please, or into our square yeah. box, please. Because yeah. someone told us you're cool. We didn't actually research you. We don't actually know who you are, but someone said you're cool and you're making the round. So we're going to shove you in this space. Right. So there is this, this attention it's about like, it sounds so like eighties, but like, it's like attention to detail. Like mm. what is this person showing you about themselves and how do you, how do you meet that so that they yeah. can do their best work? In fact, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, which yeah. then allows you to do your best work also. Right. Yeah. And, and I feel like I've been really fortunate enough in the last, you know, five or six years uh, or six or seven years, maybe to have like have a few unbelievably beautiful experiences with like particular curators. I mean, all of whom are women, most women of color. Like I'll just like put that piece <laughs> down there. Um, where even last year, if you don't know about Art Speak, Art Speak is an artist run center in Gastown, also in my neighborhood. Okay. Gastown's living room. He believes that is his living room. He's very, very comfortable in there. But Bopa Chai, who you might know, she's from New Zealand also. She's an incredible human being that one, one day when you meet and you come here, we will go hang out with Bopa on the yeah. beach. Great. But she wanted me to do, invited me to do something, but she wouldn't let me do it until my schedule was really open. And she said, I don't care if it's in 10 years or two years or three years or next month, but I just want to do it when you're not juggling four projects. Yeah. I just want you to come here and do this work when you can just be here. And I was just like, at first it gave me deep anxiety because I was like, I'm always doing a thousand things. But then I was like, oh, she's giving me this invitation to not. And it's actually, it's a gesture of deep care. I mean, we're also friends. So it's like, you know, it's, it's that beautiful kind of murky water, but I just thought, oh, well, that's a that's a really beautiful curatorial kind of uh, directive. It's like, no, I'm only going to do this when you can come and do this and not feel oppressed in this space. Yeah. And then, you know, another and it, I mean, it just sounds I know I don't know you, but I feel like I do. And and uh, I feel like that's something <laughs> you do. <laughs> it, it, it's very much what I feel like I'm I'm trying to do here from an organizational point of view and, and a lot of the instincts because I've been on the other side as an artist, you know, and still am navigating some of that space with whatever free time I've got. Uh, I, I've come in with some of that. And it's really interesting to hear you. And it's such a good reminder that, also, the tension is so many artists already embody that way of working. So when given such opportunities, that tension, which I am kind of you know encountering a little bit it, it, while we do make this transition, is that also, okay, I, I also need to scaffold the change with artists to go, this is really welcome here, trust us. But also, you know, because this is new, so it's like experiment with us, but trust us. And with time, we could shift the way we work here to that way of, you know, that we all long for when we're in that midst of four or five projects at a time. We all long for that dreaming time. And then, of course, when we get offered that dreaming time, we all panic because, like, what does this mean? Like, there's no parameters. Or, like, what? I get to do what I want? Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's been an interesting thing also that that care of going, okay, I can change the structures here, but then actually in the transition, I also need to care for how they are transitioning with us. And yeah. and that's been something I'm fleshing out and playing, and you know, kind of 
yeah, mis- massaging maybe is the word to use as well. Um, but but definitely, it's an it's a really interesting territory. And and again, when when artists come into these spaces to drive these kinds of shifts, like I'm so excited by yeah, I, I, care care is a, a a big word for sure. But also again, you know, sometimes words precede the practice, and and in a lot mm. of cases, really actually like I find myself trying things and then having conversations like that to to realize oh yeah actually this has been talked about and written about there's a whole legacy of this behind me I'm not the only one which is great and exciting but it is a very tested embodied practice that I also struggle to articulate because it is in my body in my sensing and feeling and so um yeah, it's a really fascinating place to be. But yes, I would love to come to the beach and <laughs> have a non-productive, productive time because, you know, let's yeah. not kid ourselves. I think if we if we kind of spend more time together, we'll end up, make, you know, just we'll coming up with more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like, okay, so what are we going to, what grant are you going to write? What grant am I going to write? I mean, the, the thing is like those, those, those like, those joy projects, right? Like those joy yeah. projects, like it's different than like saying yes to every opportunity because you're afraid of totally. scarcity and then being presented, like being some of that panic of being presented with like a best case scenario is also me yeah. reckoning with the fast fact that I've embodied a really dangerous way of being in the world, which is like this like hardcore capitalist world domination artist sort of thing that even though I'm trying to do all of these other things, I'm still coming up against a part the part of myself that has been told and has drank the Kool-Aid and has embodied like productivity, you know, pumping out the work. I mean, I don't pump out work like other people do, but like, but anyway, yeah. I still grapple with this, like work hard. I mean, I grapple with my students, like this generation yeah. of people are very good at taking care of themselves and it annoys yeah. me and it annoys <laughs> me. And I'm like, why am I annoyed? Because I didn't not have that agency and yeah. I want them I want for, I don't know what I want. I'm working on it. Like I, but I, I'll feel feelings like a student stopped dancing partway through a class. And I went over to ask how they were doing and are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. So I thought I'd just sit down and I was overcome with rage. Like I was like, yeah, I'm not, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> just, and then I thought, well, why does that, aff- like, what does that even, that has nothing to do with me. So just yeah. like peace girl, like just chill. But, but what I get most is like all these ways I want to work, all these invitations I want to make, how I want to create space and that I work very hard on all of these things that I'm still grappling with the interior uh, narrative mm. that I still, that still shows up and speaks in my ear uh, mm. and tells me, you know, you should be doing more and you should be dead. Like, so it's not that like, Oh, this is how I live my life. It's like how I want to. And it's how I'm in it's practice. Like I'm practicing. Sometimes it goes yeah. super well. Sometimes it goes terribly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but it is like, it's, it's, it's the return to the attempt, right? Or it's the, it's, it's just returning to it, like, just keep returning to a thing. And then what I find now is I'm much better at creating that for other people than myself. But before I couldn't even do it for other people. So I'm like, okay, baby steps, good for you. You know, you have to celebrate. I mean, that's what we call it. And when I teach lately, I've been, it's like, we do appreciations. If you see anything in the room that makes you feel happy, or inspired or whatever, we stop and we do the appreciations because that is part of how we build mm. a culture that acknowledges, like that acknowledges the need for celebration. Yeah. 
Yeah. And for like care around something. Enjoy, right? Enjoy. Thank you for listening to Unfoldings, a podcast series bringing together dance artists from Melbourne and Vancouver. If you enjoyed this conversation, please check out all five episodes of this podcast series and spread the word. Unfoldings is a collaboration between Dance House Diary in Melbourne and the Dance Centre in Vancouver, with support from the Canadian Consulate in Sydney, Australia, Australia Council for the Arts, and Dance House Melbourne.